You're listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Hey guys, it's Randy Gage. I've written 11 books on prosperity and success so far, uh, but this podcast, it's a way for me to connect with you on an audio platform. So I'm looking forward to sharing the prosperity journey together with you here. Let's talk about cocaine cowboys getting shot and left for dead in a pool of blood, the power of your dreams, and what happens when you face down your fears. <laughs> hey guys, it's Randy Gage here, and this is a special version of the Power Prosperity Podcast, original content just for you podcast peeps. Uh, which I promise to do from time to time. As you know, we put up the, uh, the Prosperity TV show. We put the audio version on this uh, up here every Monday. And sometimes when I've got live speeches that are uh, on the prosperity topics, we uh, will put them up here unedited. And then shows like today where I can just share some thoughts with you on how you can manifest more prosperity and success in your life. So let's get into it. It was that thin line between Saturday night and Sunday morning, as my good buddy Jimmy Buffett would like to say. You know, Saturday night is that uh, we're probably out there singing, dancing, partying, might be some alcohol, maybe some sex, I don't know, right? And then there's Sunday morning, which is prayer and church and being pious. And <laughs> but there's that thin line in the middle, and that's where this all took place. 3 a.m. Sunday morning, I'm coming back from a club. I get out of my car. I see a Pontiac Fiero. Remember those? Goes by me and stops a little, but I kind of don't pay attention. I'm park my car and I get out and I see a guy kind of bounding up to me. There's a lot of clubs in that area. This was down on South Beach in the cocaine cowboy days of Miami. So there were a lot of nightclubs and there was one just a couple blocks from my house. A lot of people from the club used to park there on my street. So I figure he's going to come up and ask me what time it is or can he bum a cigarette or something. And then when he gets close, I notice the gun in his hand. And as he gets really close and he's pointing the gun at my head, I see in his eyes, and this is a crack cocaine addict. And he's desperate for his next fix. So I'm coming home. I've got a $20, which I, a $20 bill, which I had broke at the 7-Eleven to buy some juice or something. And I had the change from that. That's all I had left. And I'm like, here's what I got. Take it. And he's getting very agitated. Give me the money. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. I'm like, dude, I, I promise you, it's all I've got. Just take it. Um, and I'm debating, what do I do? We're under a street light, and I'm thinking if I keep him calm and around there, there's somebody's going to come by, or the police will come by and patrol. Uh, of course, I know how to defend myself pretty well, but 
At this point, he's holding the gun up to my forehead. And, um, you know, if you get shot there, it's all over. I mean, even if you live, you're a vegetable, right? If you get shot there. Uh, and I'm thinking, hey, just be rational, logical, calm him down. And I'm like, here, this is all I got. Take it. You know, you can get your next uh, rock. Uh, I'll forget I ever saw you. We'll live happily ever after. But of course, I'm trying to be rational and logical with somebody who's hopped up on drugs. And they're not that rational or logical. <laughs> So this is going back and forth and I'm trying to keep him calm and he's getting more agitated. And, uh, and I'm like, here, here, take the keys to the car. This is it. It's all I got. And then he tells me, get in the car. And I don't know what made me believe that, but I really believed if I got in that car, I would never come out alive. So I was like, dude, I'm not getting in the car. Here's the keys. You can have the keys. You can have the car. But I'm not getting in. You've got the money. It's all I've got. Take it. Get yourself uh, another rock and you're good to go. And I'm just trying to keep him calm because now the Fiero is back there. There's another guy behind the wheel. He's waiting for his accomplice. I don't know if the guy in the Fiero has a gun. Uh, which turns out later, of course, I found out he did. Um, and he could even just run me down with the car. So I'm thinking the best thing here is just keep this guy calm and convince him that's all the money he's going to get. So take it and move on. Go to the crack house. 15 bucks. In those days, you could get three rocks of uh, crack. And I uh, go on with my life. <laughs> so... I remember he said something to me, and it was such a weird, ominous statement. And I remember talking to my friends about it afterward. Like, is he talking? Did, did he mean that for me? Is he talking to himself? Is he uh, calling out to the world? Because it was such a strange statement. But yet, I can't remember what that statement is any longer. I believe my brain just section that memory off because of the pain that was about to happen and and you know how mentally we protect ourselves sometimes with with bad memories and painful experiences and we kind of wall them off i believe i did that because he he lowered the gun toward my abdomen he said this really strange statement and then he pulled the trigger so I recalled back, grabbed my abdomen, fell to the street, and he started running away toward the car. And he jumped in the car, and I didn't feel anything at first. So I thought, oh my God, it was a blank. This, this guy hustled me, you know? He, he, he had a starter gun or something, because I didn't feel anything. And any pain. And then I looked down, and... Um, I saw this blood pouring out between my fingers where I was holding my uh, abdomen. Uh, and then I felt the pain. Um, because gunshots are interesting. They cauterize the wound when they go in. And they're, you, know, you, don't, you don't feel them exactly when you're shot, but you feel it afterward, believe me. 
so he jumps in the car with the other guy and they take off and I watch where they go and where they turn and I'm sitting there and uh, laying on the street in a pool of blood and I'm expecting lights to go on and doors to open and people to come running out and nothing happens it it, it just um, this deathly sign and, and gunshots are so loud they're not pop pop like you see in TV or the movies they are so loud and imagine at 3 a.m. in the quiet of a residential street how loud that is uh, but nobody's coming out and I'm just looking and this pool of blood is getting bigger and bigger and I realize if I don't rip off my shirt, tie it around my waist and, you know, uh, uh, stop the bleeding. I'm going to bleed out there on the street. I got to tie this up myself and get up and go across the street and go upstairs to the second floor where my apartment is and call an ambulance. Uh, so that's what I do. And I go up, I make it up, I call the ambulance, I collapse in a chair. Um, bleeding all over my chair and my uh, living room carpet uh, and the ambulance comes and you know you probably figured out that I lived <laughs> which I did and I'm grateful of course to the first responders and the doctors and the nurses and everybody in the hospital um, and they did everything to save me and it was really touch and go for a while they actually they were calling in my uh, blood pressure uh, like every couple of minutes and I don't even remember the numbers. I just know that they, they kept getting, and I could tell by the, the crack in the voice of the guy in the ambulance that these, these numbers were not good. And um, then they, they actually put me in this space suit like the astronauts, which I later found is that's to prevent you when your heart is going to stop pumping. They put you in the suit. That's what I was in. Uh, so they did all these heroic efforts to save me. Uh, but here's the lesson I think is relevant to you guys who, who subscribe to the podcast. I believe the, the ultimate reason that I lived was because I had a dream. I had a dream of, of where my life was going to end up and how I was going to get to that, uh, you know, to that manifestation. And the thing is, I wasn't rich yet. I wasn't successful yet. I wasn't a leader yet. But I had a dream and I had a vision of becoming all of those things. And that's what I believe got me up off the street and was able to tie up that wound and, and go up and go to my apartment is because I had a dream. Because here's the really, really frightening thing. I believe that had this, had I been shot three, four years earlier, I would have died in the street. Because at that point, I didn't have a dream. I didn't have a vision for the future. 
I had all the negative programming which I'd been carrying around since childhood and just always expected to the other shoe to drop, always expected bad things to happen, always expected to be a victim. And if I hadn't changed my consciousness and developed prosperity consciousness and developed that dream of what I wanted to do, have, and become, I would have died in that street. I firmly believe that. So, next part of the story. I just came back from Cusco, Peru, where I was the closing keynoter at a convention. And it was more than 4,000 people there, of which 98% spoke Spanish as their native language and maybe 60-70% only spoke Spanish. They were not bilingual. So I had this vision that I was going to do my keynote in Spanish for these people. Now I spoke at the same convention last year and did a little Spanish phrases, some opening and wrapped up with a few comments in Spanish. Um, and one of the things I told them last year was, I, I want to come back next year and do the whole thing in Spanish. It was really important to me. I wanted them to know my heart. I wanted them to know the love that I have for them. And I felt that the best way to do that would be to give that speech in, uh, there in Spanish. Now, I've been studying Spanish very, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Studiously, assiduously, I don't know, whatever the word, hard, <laughs> very deliberately for two years, every day doing a lesson, right? But I'm not fluent in Spanish yet. I can get by, I can get directions, I can order meals, I can have a simple conversation, but I'm probably, at this point, I think I'm 80% fluent. And I've been principally working with an app called Duolingo and doing these Duolingo lessons every day. So, but I decide, I gotta do this. I, you know, I, these people, I, you know, I need to do this in their language. So three days before, I made up my mind, I'm going to do this speech in Spanish completely, start to finish. And so, and to do that in a second language, I mean, you cannot um, memorize it, you can't script it, you can't read it. Otherwise, you'll never connect with the audience. You have to be in the moment, speaking from your heart to an audience if you want to be a world-class communicator. If you really want to touch them and make it an impact, you've got to be real, you've got to be in the moment. So, I kind of outline where, what, where I want to go with this talk and what I want to talk to them about. And it was being in, 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 uh, outside of Cusco in the Sacred Valley. It's up by, there, up by Machu Picchu. And so I thought, here we are, the Sacred Valley. I want to talk about a, a sacred subject, which is your dreams. And I decide the best way to convey 
that message is with the story of getting shot in South Beach. So I'm kind of running through my mind how that story plays out with them. And remember, I can't memorize it or whatever. You've got to just be, you got to think in that other language. So I know I have to think in Spanish and speak in Spanish from my, you know, conscious, just stream of consciousness. So I'm trying to run through, though, in my mind, uh, this speech, what it's going to look like for these guys. And I realize, well, I don't know how to say gunshot in Spanish. I don't know how to say gun in Spanish. I don't know how to say pull the trigger in Spanish. I realize there's all kind of voc... And that's the thing when you're learning a language. There's always like another route around. So if you uh, can't... Uh, uh, remember one way to say something, there's usually another way you can go around it, right? You can work around using the vocabulary you have, and that's what I have to do in Spanish because, again, I'm not fluent yet. Um, but I'm like, what's another way to say gunshot? What's another way to say gun? What's another way to say trigger? And I'm like, Duolingo doesn't teach this stuff, you know. <laughs> I don't know why. So, two days before I decide I can't do it. It's impossible. I, I cannot do this speech because I don't have the vocabulary. And as I keep uh, kind of going through the outline in my mind, I keep coming up with these words that I don't know the Spanish words for them. And, there's, and I don't know a side tour or a detour to them. So two days before I decide, ain't happening, I cannot do it, I will use an interpreter. One day before, I have a conversation with myself. And I tell myself, this is a cop-out. This is just you giving in to your fears. This is just an excuse. These people love you. You love those people. You want to communicate with them. They will be so honored and grateful and loving if you speak to them in Spanish. They will work with you. They won't care if you make a mistake. Uh, you got to do it. This is the next step in your growth, your evolution. This is the the leadership behavior that you need to be modeling. This is the prosperity consciousness that you need to be modeling. You need to be living the message you're teaching. Well, I don't want to hear this crap, but I'm hearing it from myself, so who am I going to argue with? <laughs> so I decide, that's it. I'm doing the speech. So I talked to my buddy, Herman Aramillo, and I, who's going to be there at the event. And I say, I'm going to bring you up. I want you right on the side of the stage. And then when I get to a word that I don't know, instead of throwing it to you to translate, I, I'm just going to ask you, what's the word? What's the phrase I need? And then I'm going to go back and, you know, and so and I told the audience that. And I kind of, you know, opened up said the first opening, and then I told him, we're going to make a deal. I'm going to try to do this in your language. 
I'm not fluent, but I'm going to give it my best shot. And of course, the place went crazy. They were so honored by that, that I was attempting this. And, you know, we had such a connection. And then I told them, but I'm probably going to make mistakes and say some really stupid things. And instead of calling somebody a priest, I'm going to call them an umbrella, you know, or whatever. So the deal is, I'm going to try my best, and you guys can't laugh at me. And of course they laugh, and then I say, or if you do laugh at me, you got to promise you're going to laugh with love. <laughs> and of course, all 4,000 plus people agreed to those conditions. And I gave my entire speech, including the gunshot story, my whole keynote speech in Spanish. And that's the first time I've done that. Now I've done small groups and back kind of a Spanglish thing. And I did a thing in Colombia where I probably 15, 20 minutes I was riffing on mostly Spanish. But this was actually the first time in my career I gave a complete structured keynote in another language than English. And I got to tell you, um, I have had since that moment so far, and it's still happening, more than 500 messages on whether it's WhatsApp, text, email, and just a ton of it on social media. And just saying, hey, the most important lesson I got out of that conference was you facing your fear and getting it done. And, and modeling that behavior for us, demonstrating the lesson of your teaching about personal growth and you know becoming the person that you want to become. How do you become the, the, the best version of yourself? And uh, for you guys who don't know, I'm in the Speaker Hall of Fame. I've spoke to more than two million people. I've spoken in more than 70 countries, thousands of speeches. And that speech was the most special one that I ever have given yet. Why? Because of that magical connection that happened with that audience and because of the, the growth that it forced me to do, which created a confidence and a happiness and a consciousness that is just priceless to me. Um, so it was magical, but I want to bring this back to you and the lesson for you, because that's why we do this podcast is for you, not me, right? <laughs> so the question is, what is the fear that you need to face right now to get your next breakthrough, to get one step closer to the highest version of yourself that's possible. What is the, what is the fear between you and your next level of prosperity because go back to the gunshot story, right? Let's talk about your dreams. What your, your, your dreams are of who you want to become. 
the kind of person you want to become, the things you want to accomplish, the, the deeds you want to do. What is the fear that you need to face to get through to that next level of becoming your best self? Hey, thanks so much for, for listening. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. Uh, and, and rate the podcast. I know on iTunes and some of these other ones, you can rate it. So I'd love if you would rate it and share the podcast. As you know, we're about a month into it and I'm trying to get the word out to everybody. Um, so if you would, please do that. Um, and last thoughts before I let you go. Um, I certainly could have done that speech in English and nobody would have faulted me. And you know what? That audience loves me. I've spoke four years in a row that convention. They love me. I love them. I would have got a wonderful standing ovation. They would have been electrified and give showered with me with applause and that standing ovation. And everyone would have said I did an amazing job. But I would have known that I didn't give it a shot that I didn't give it my best shot. And that would have bothered me that day, the next day, a month later, and a year later. I would have known I had my chance to go for it and I backed down. But because I didn't back down, that speech has meant more to me than any speech I've ever given in my life. So. Please put that lesson to work for you and know if you will go forward and face that fear, your breakthrough is on the other side. Peace. Thanks for listening. For more great prosperity teaching, check out my blog on randygage.com. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Insta, YouTube, and just about everywhere else. I'll see you on the journey.